Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 31 of the Freshman Parking Lot Podcast. Tonight's show is being brought to you by the Jefferson County Barn Builders Association. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a union job? That's all I want to know. A union of two. We are too strong. And... uh, (laughs) Hey, just a reminder that you can email the show. We got a lot of great feedback on last week's show. I don't think any of it was because of uh, myself or you, Brad, or even Justin. I think it was our guest, Natalie Bosch. Um, We got lots of great feedback on her and honestly just want to thank Natalie for coming on. I thought she did a great job and uh, wish her good luck. Their season starts this weekend down in... Either Rochester or Mankato, they've got a couple of dome games where they're going to start out this weekend. We're not able to go, so that's why I'm not sure which which uh, city it's in. They're not not allowing spectators at dome games this year, so we're we're hoping that maybe we can get a live feed and and check some of that out. But thanks to Natalie for being on and for also uh, spreading the word. We got a lot of views and listens last week. I think it's just because she knows more people than we do. She's much more outgoing than we are. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Reminder that you can listen to the show on all the podcast platforms. Obviously, if you're watching this one, you're watching it on YouTube and, um, you know, email, follow the show on uh, email, freshmanparkinglot at gmail.com. Follow the show on all the social medias with uh, Twitter and Facebook and, and those types of things. But hey, let's uh, let's get into it today, Brad. There was a big signing last week, right? You bet. Well, so, and, and I feel like today's episode is going to be like, we've had some marathons lately. I think today might be a sprint, but um, I feel like it might a be a couple things. There's definitely a couple things we need to touch on. Uh, need to get a couple of your opinions. And um, yeah, and we can jump into the, the, the signing. Um, I think the signing that you're alluding to here is the Tatis Jr. $340 million to play some baseball. Yeah. and. So, okay, $340 million over 14 years, those are both big, huge numbers. That's not – like, they are, okay? They're, they're huge numbers. That's not the thing that even jumps out to me. What jumps out to me is the dude is 22 years old. In, in baseball, you're not eligible for salary arbitration, which is basically your – agent and your team go in and they say really bad things about each other. And then somebody decides this is your salary for next year. You're not eligible for that until three years after three seasons, then three more seasons of arbitration until you're eligible for free agency. So like the Padres didn't have to do this. At all. And I haven't seen why. And that's part of it. Like, I don't quite know the why on it. Right. Like, sign of good faith. I, I just know that it, it, it mimics the Harper deal. Right. But at that point, Harper was more established. He was older and more mature. I, I think 27 <laughs> mature in air quotes, right? For sure. But 27, <laughs> there's a big difference between look at 22 year old Brian Bosch and 27 year old Brian Bosch. Well, yeah, that's true. And, you know, 39-year-old is maybe reverting back to 22-year-old, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, what Kind of what I compare it to is the Brewers way back with Ryan Braun. 
they did this with Ryan Braun early in his career. And the thought process there was, hey, we're going to give him way more than we need to right now. But towards the end of this deal, when he would be in his free agency for the first time, we've got him locked up for way less than what he would be then. And gosh, when you're talking about $340 million, I don't know that it's going to be way less than anything at any point in time because that's a lot of money. Well, and I mean, was that a good deal for the Brewers? Are they getting the output out of it that they wanted at the end of the contract? I, I just don't know. And, and you got to remember in the middle of that contract was some steroid stuff too. Right. So I don't, I don't ever feel like giving a long-term deal for that amount of money really makes sense because there's too many ways that the deal goes bad for the club, for the team, for the organization, right? So yes, you have this player sealed up, but when they're a player is sealed up for that amount, extended amount of time, is there some apathy? Is there maybe not the drive that would be there before when they're playing for that next deal, if it's through arbitration or free agency or, or whatever, and that drive and that hunger versus, Hey, baseball is a guaranteed gig. Yeah. And there's only a couple ways you can screw that up and not get paid. Otherwise, it's show up, get paid, and hope that you're still playing well. Yeah, and I think the other part of it, and this is another way that baseball is different, is there is no salary cap. However, there's not just an unlimited pot of money. And so what does that do to the organization in terms of can we put – and right now they're loaded. Like, they are loaded. And I think they're going to really, really compete. But can we put – afford to put pieces around him long term with this contract on our books i mean for sure the the texas rangers signing alex rodriguez to that huge contract found out pretty quickly that whoa it's not good enough to have just him at i think it was like 25 million dollars a year at the time uh we've got to be able to afford to put pieces around him and we can't and now all of a sudden or then all of a sudden Alex Rodriguez was out of there and be, became a Yankee because they could afford to do him and everybody else that they needed around him. Sure. And in, in, in obviously baseball is different beast than football, but it's the, the conversation of when your quarterback gets good enough that they're yeah. in for that next contract and you up that contract to what market value is, those quarterbacks have never competed for a Super Bowl because the team can't afford to put a surrounding cast around him. You know, I would would even say that, you know, from a Packers standpoint, um, that's been, you know, Packer fans, and and I know this is a bad analogy for you, uh, but (laughs) Packer fans have always been Aaron Rodgers apologists saying that they aren't supporting him with enough players. uh, But on the other side of that coin, there's not this endless amount of money to go and play, pay the free agents to come in that are going to make a huge difference either. Um, whereas Tom Brady is notorious for taking fan friendly or team friendly deals. Right. And being able to go out and get some of those free agents to have that supporting cast and go out and win championships. It's and- no surprise that what Tom Brady has done has led to, championships well and and this is going to shock everybody that knows me i can't blame aaron Rodgers for saying 
no, I'm not going to take less. I'm going to get what I can get because you can only play the game for so long. And in a lot of cases, baseball, especially, I know we're bouncing back and forth here, but the players union gets upset when you don't take what market value is because you're driving the price down for everybody else. I, I tell yep. you what, Dak Prescott, it being forced to play on the franchise tag should be pissed as hell at Tom Brady. Get what you can get because I'm going to get the average of the top five if they franchise tag me again. And if that, and if there's a new number that jumps into that top five, that's better for that agent, then, right? Absolutely. So, okay, we we started this talking about Fernando Tatis Jr. And that's where that's where we really want to get back to here. And and you said the agents, and I'm what I want to talk about is something that you and I both kind of learned about yesterday. Actually, uh, Q, which shoot, let me see here. I've got a Q from Q that we forgot to start with. Um, but Q Q brought up this article that we want to talk about with Fernando Tatis Jr. So first the Q with Q, okay? Um, so I'm pulling this right out of my backpack because he gave it to me before I left school today. Um, NBA players with the most career blocks. Only one active NBA player is on the top 25 list for career blocks. Who is it? So who's oh. the player with the most career blocks? And who is the active player in the top 25? Okay. So most blocks. I got to go this way. I got to go Matumbo. Okay. I got to go Matumbo. I don't know if that's the answer or not, but when you say NBA and blocks in the same sentence, I go Matumbo. All right. So I have absolutely no clue, not an NBA guy, but just because one of my kids in PE today was doing the Mike in drill and because Mike and George Mike and played for the LA Lakers and he was so good down in the post. He's the reason the lane is the width that it is today. I'm going George Mike we're going way back. If you, if that's the answer, um, I'll be surprised. Okay. Um, for like, actually, I'd it's probably su- like Bill Russell or Wilt Chamberlain. I would go sure. Um, um, okay. So current, who's the active guy? I'm going LeBron James for longevity. Wow. He's gotten two, one, two a game. Over the entirety of his career, there's not too many guys that are active that have played as long as he has. Well, I, I can't, I can't say LeBron because you said LeBron. Um, man, the guy with the big stat line the other night, he like filled it up with 50 points, a whole bunch of rebounds, assists, blocks, steals. He, he like filled the stat sheet, but he hasn't been around long enough. Joel Embiid, just not even close. Um. I don't know. I don't care. I don't even care. <laughs> we'll find out at the end of the show. <laughs> don't let don't let me stop the recording without answering that question. <laughs> All right. All right. So let's get into this Tatis. We're kind of out of sorts here. The the article that Q sent was this firm called Big League Advance. And what Big League Advance does is they're started by a former major league pitcher who I think he, he threw like 47 or 57 games. So he was not a, a big time player. He was certainly spent way more time in the minor leagues and knows that life and the lack of luxury. 
uh, far better than the major league life. So he's got some pretty big time investors. They've raised about $150 million to start this company. And what they do is like venture capitalists, like, like Shark Tank, like, you know, our producer, Nate, he watches Shark Tank all the time. Those, those guys invest in businesses with hopes that that business takes off and they can make some money back off of it. These guys at Big League Advance are doing just that. They're going to minor leaguers and saying, hey, we can give you some extra money over and above what you're earning from your minor league contract, which is not good. The minor league contracts are not good. And if you make it to the major leagues, you owe us X percentage, a predetermined percentage of your major league earnings throughout the course of your career. If you don't make it, no harm, no foul, you owe us nothing. And it comes out that Tatis signed with these guys back when he was a, a mid to maybe even low level prospect. They have a pretty sounds like advanced analytics department. And they said, Hey, he ranks pretty high. We think we can make money off of him in the future. And at the same time, help him financially, which potentially probably could help him do some things training wise, nutrition wise, um, living conditions wise to make his road to the major leagues easier. Um, Part of the deal is that terms are not disclosed. They're not to be disclosed. So nobody knows how much Tatis got and nobody knows what percentage he owes, but their average is about 8%. So if that's the case, he's going to owe a little over $27 million off of this contract to this company. Well, and and here's what got me. So, you know, the the lower level guys that have a, a longer shot to get to the majors can get about $100,000 with signing over a 1% rate, right? Like, so if I make a major league roster, I owe 1% of that contract back here. Whereas some of the higher level guys can take out a million dollar payday for about 10% of their major league contract. So when I read that, I'm thinking, if I think I'm going to be a, a minor league journeyman my entire career. Sure. I'll take out that hundred thousand or 200,000 for one to 2%. But if my chances of making the majors are so good that they're willing to spot me a million dollars, there is no chance I'm signing 10% of my future earnings away to them. I just, as a major leaguer, as an athlete, that is that, good, I would never not bet on myself. And I feel like this is a way that they're hedging their bet and not going all in on their own career by signing up with this company to get a money advance. It, I feel like it's, you know, what is that? The money store or cash advance yeah. or those, those highway robbery places that you would tell your personal finance students to stay away from forever I feel like that's exactly what this is. So I understand exactly what you're saying. And I agree and I disagree at the same time. The, the whole, 
it, it's hard because not only do they owe the, the between eight and it's as high as 12 percent uh, of their major league earnings but they're gonna owe their agent too and, oh, and everybody they, gets a piece of the pie and then they're gonna pay taxes and then before too long 340 million is 175 million now that's yes. nothing that's nothing to laugh at but it's not 340 million um so I think what they're doing though, Brad, and, and I've, I've known a couple of people who have played in minor league baseball and I've done enough reading in the last few days on this big league advance is they're there. And they even had, they didn't name the player, but they talked about one of the guys they signed who they thought was a top tier talent in terms of, in terms of pitching. They asked him after he agreed to the deal, what are you going to do with the money? And they said, and there's no wrong answer what are you going to do with the money? And his answer was um, better off season training that I can now afford better living arrangements, better nutrition. And it was all things that he was going to put into himself to try and get to that next level. It wasn't, I don't think I'm going to make it. It was, I need this money to make it to where I think I'm capable of making it. So then my question is, is there another place that you can get that money that has a better rate of payback for you? Where? That's a great question. I guess I don't have that answer of where can you go to get $150,000 to better your lifestyle? I mean, it's the, this thing, this type of stuff I think happens in individual sports like golf and tennis and and one of the articles i read talked about boxing where those those athletes are individuals they're responsible for all their travel costs all their coaching all the all everything because there's not a team behind them which is not the case in baseball but i think it's been happening where people in invest and you might want to say glob onto these people sure. in hopes in hopes of a return later on. And let's be real, it's been happening in the shoe market in college basketball for decades, you know, where where handlers make these arrangements and and shoe companies are paying schools and schools are paying kids and, and everything else. Um, but it, it's I, I I just can't decide if I think it's brilliant or scuzzy or both. Yes. The answer is yes to all of those questions. It is. I would love to see the analytics behind it um, because obviously they're doing research to make sure that, Hey, this is going to work. Yeah. Um, and then B how you come up with that plan and go and, and get your investors. I mean, there is investors into this are, major league owners, right? Like yeah. owners of major league teams are investing into this, which kind of makes it seem a little scuzzy as well yeah. that because you've got owners of not baseball teams, um, but of other leagues, but they're all, they're all friends with each other. Right. Yeah. I mean, being an owner of a major league organization of anything, professional organization that's a pretty elite club and sure they're all in it and it's a way to make money. Yeah. And this, this guy that started, I think his name is Michael Schwimmer, last name Schwimmer. 
And yes, he's got some big time investors, but he claims, he goes, Hey, all businesses are to make money. I'm not hiding anything. I want to make money on this. However, the real goal is to improve situations and, and, and maybe even improve the pay scale for minor league players. Sure. And he go, and he even admits, Hey, if that happens, that's not necessarily great for our business model, but that's our ultimate goal. So not sure I entirely believe that's his ultimate goal because then that could potentially put him out of business or reduce his business. But like only 10% of minor leaguers make, make it to the major leagues, which means they have to be selective about who they sign. And he, he says, we'll lose money on 70 to 80%, but the 20% or 10% or, or 30% or whatever it is that hit, they're going to make us money and fund the rest of that 70 or 80%. You mean for the thirty million they're going to make off of Tatis? Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean that's, that's a few that's less investors payday. they got to find. So yeah, well, who is like the Bush family? Someone in the Bush family was yep. another one, right? So yep. they there's a pretty diverse group of people throwing money at this. So definitely, it's which it's, the the Bush family is in or has been involved in Major League Baseball on an ownership level as well. So yeah, you're right. It's it's um. It's some it's some big time people that are involved here. So well, here's what I know. If I have the talent that I'm going to be a major league player, you're not I'm doing not. It. No way. If I think I'm a a journeyman double triple A'er that's going to work my butt off to needing the money to maybe improve like the what you said there, you know, would they improve their nutrition and their you know, recovery and their workouts. Sure. I'll get that money and I'll, I'll work. And, and if I have to give one to 2% back, that's fine. But if I'm a, a no brainer at 10%, no, there's a reason why they want 10% of my money and I, I'm not doing it. And By I would think, way, I would think the no brainers, like the no brainers, they got a huge signing bonus. Like they don't necessarily shouldn't necessarily need it 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 should be in my mind their sweet spot is their analytics and finding those people that are middle of the road prospects who maybe didn't have a big signing bonus but their analytics somehow say no they're gonna make it and and finding those people well and what makes those guys I guess what, what makes their analytics better than all these scouting departments that do it for their for a living, right? Like if your analytics are that good, why aren't you running a major league organization? Yeah, I don't know. Oh. I, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of questions about this one, I think. Hey, all I know is there's money that's going to be made by someone. Yeah. And... Um, the, the business model is in the gray area somewhere. It certainly is in the gray area. Maybe, maybe that's why I struggle with this one a little bit. <laughs> All right. Well, we said it was going to be a sprint. So should we start wrapping up with our end of the show stuff? I definitely. Um, I've got one for you. So we talked about the, um, the what, what, what's the sponsor of the show tonight? The Jefferson County Barn Builders Association. All right. So Jefferson Bar- Jefferson County Barn Builders Association, uh, two union members, Brian Bosch and Brad Gafford, <laughs> um, 
outfit in the inside of a barn this weekend. Yeah, uh, made me think. And yeah, by the way, have- let's be hold on. Let's be clear. We're probably not barn builders. We're barn enhancers. Enhancers. I like and, that. And in my mind, just to be clear, I think you're ruining your barn with what we did to it. That's fine. Okay. Um, heaven forbid you make a barn able to have animals in it. Well, the more animals you bring in, the less batting cages and bars you can have in there. Touche. So um, now that we're not putting AstroTurf in the barn uh, <laughs> and we're putting stalls in there and, and building some pens, um, made me think, you know, the weather wasn't uh, terrible this weekend, but yep. would you rather uh, work outside in zero degree weather or 100 degree weather? And we're pretty fortunate. We don't have jobs that we're doing manual labor outside in, in either one of those categories. I always say it's sunshine and 70 at FAHS. Um, but but where's, what would you rather work in if you got to pick one of them? Okay, well, I and you and I have had our share of manual jobs where we're working outside in extreme temperatures. At least I know I have. Um, for sure. And for me... I would much rather be hot and sweaty and sticky and able to hopefully my job maybe allows me to wear short sleeves and shorts than, than cold. You know, those, those two kids that loaded that lumber up for us with the forklift on Saturday morning, I I've done that job and I've done that job in a hundred degrees and I've done that job in well below zero. It's much more, I don't know if enjoyable is the term much more bearable in a hundred degrees than it is below zero on a forklift. It sucks. All right. And I don't usually agree with you on would you rather, but tonight I'm 100% with you. Um, I don't like cold. I don't like wet and raining. Those are yep. my, <clears throat> give me hot, give me dry. You bet. But uh, don't give me cold. Um, there's not enough uh, circulation in my fingertips to help me out with that one. I agree. And, and you're right. This weekend was very comfortable. I think it was 25 degrees yesterday and we were within the walls of the Bo Jackson of Barnes and we were all good. <laughs> <laughs> so I hey, tool there. That's right. Uh, the when in Rome, I'm not really sure how to word it, but we talked a little bit, Brad, about the Wisconsin DNR having a wolf hunting season. I don't necessarily want to get into our thoughts of, if wolf hunting specifically is right or wrong, I think that if, if the biologists and a lot of people feel very, very strongly about it because they have been on lists and now they're not on lists and whatever, if the biologists say that they shouldn't be on a list anymore and we can open a hunting season because they're, they're exceeding their carrying capacity, then I'm going to believe them. Um, My question to you is, would you feel safe? hunting wolves answer is absolutely yes uh, i'm not hunting them with a bow and arrow uh, <laughs> as as long as i have what are those things called oh yeah guns um <laughs> i would be okay i'm not throwing a, a slingshot in a rock at them uh and i'm not gonna stalk up to a, a wolf within 20 yards to go shoot so absolutely um i would feel and what if the wolf is stalking you within 20 yards well then i'm wolf bait but i they they don't like humans either so i'm not too worried about that um 
Okay, and so I'm not go-, go ahead. I was just saying, and I agree with you on the, um, you know, Wisconsin, it looks like might have a wolf hunt here at the end of the month. Um, right now, today it started. Did it start today? Started this eight morning. days, right? I think yep. there's an eight day eight day hunt. Um, in our in our capacity in Wisconsin's at triple um, what the level is set at for a carrying capacity in the state of Wisconsin, and all that is doing is pushing wolves into other areas, um, finding food. Um, in one of the ad, and I'll just put a plug in for agriculture. Um, when the wolves were not, uh, when they were listed and not currently delisted, you couldn't get wolf depredation money um, if a wolf went and, and took out livestock on your farm either. Uh, but because now there's a hunting season on it, you can get paid um, if you have a wolf depredation on your farm. So it's a way to help farmers uh, recover a little bit of the loss from lost livestock when you look at wolves and obviously we're in the southern part of wisconsin not really a huge factor but when you get to the central to northern part of the state it definitely becomes a a much much larger issue with wolves and your livestock okay so let's be real do you think you saw a wolf last week there's a very good chance that I saw a wolf last week um, in Jefferson County. I wouldn't bet my paycheck on it, but it was it was enough to grab my attention. Okay. All right. Interesting. Now, my whole deal with that question, and I've said it about bears, and now I've said it about wolves, hell no. I'm not interested in hunting something that could kill me. Okay. That's where I'm at. Even, even with the gun in my hands, I'm not interested in, in hunting something that could kill me if something goes wrong. So um, no. doesn't mean that I won't be out there in situations where I could come across those animals, but I'm not going to actively go looking for them. Yeah. Uh, hey, speaking of bears, which brings me up a story of there's a bear from Northern Wisconsin that has traveled all the way to Missouri and has crossed the Mississippi River twice and made its way down to Missouri. And the bear's got a name. I don't remember what it is right now. I was reading and, and listened to a little bit about him. Um, a pretty interesting story of a, of a bear traveling. Um, and I think I heard this. And, like, it's not just, like, it walked and swam. Like, it had to cross major interstates to get where it got, right? In the Mississippi River. <laughs> twice <laughs> uh, is so, this bear is this bear wearing a collar it is not but it's uh, noticeable enough that it's walks on uh, its hind legs mostly and it has some distinguishing markings that people have been able to photograph it i mean how do they know that it came from northern wisconsin that's where it was first seen i don't know there's there's so much of the story that i don't know that i want to know more about this bear that supposedly went from northern wisconsin to missouri okay so So, sounds good let's let's learn more about bears all right hey shoot that answer from q let's see if uh i got mr matumbo right all right so again the question is the nba player with the most career blocks and then sub question only one active nba player is on the top 25 list for career blocks okay so 
All- By the way, how is that even possible that there's only one active player in the top 25? For any other sport or stat, like active players are just in yeah, the but- top 10. Okay, but here's I- – by the way, we didn't get the answer, and I'll, I'll read it here in a minute. But I think to answer your question, it, the, the game has changed. Like, there's there's probably no active Major League Baseball players in the top 25 for stolen bases either. Uh, people people shoot threes, and there aren't, there aren't the traditional big men in the NBA anymore. Fair enough. That, that's what, that's what my guess would be. I like the now I like the comparison to stolen bases. That makes sense. All right. So number one, with three thousand eight hundred and thirty blocks, Hakeem Olajuwon. Ah, that was my second. One of only three players to average over three blocks a game. Um, Mark Eaton three and a half, Manute Bull three point three four, and Olajuwon three point oh nine. So Matumbo not even in the top three for per uh, game. Elijah on, uh, was another one of my guesses from there. So okay. So the active player in the top twenty-five is actually number thirteen on the list. None other than I didn't know this guy was still active. To be honest, Dwight Howard. Okay. Two thousand one hundred and fifty-six career blocks. Never would have got that in a million years. I mean, he he's was had a long. He's had a long career. Yeah, but he was like the deal, and then he like left Orlando, and he kind of disappeared off the face of the earth. And then he goes to LA and gets a ring. So okay, well, yeah. Did he even like? Does he play anymore, <laughs> or is he just collecting a paycheck? Yeah. By the way, let's just wrap this whole the whole thing up. It's not playing and collecting a paycheck with this Tatis thing. His contract will end. One year before Bobby Bonilla gets his last paycheck from the Mets. <laughs> Best deal ever. Because I know how much you and I both love that Bobby Bonilla deal. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Literally he, keeps on giving. Like all he had to do, I think, was defer like $5 million and he gets like a million dollar paycheck for like 35 years. It's ridiculous. Bobby Bonilla Day. It's like sometime in July, right? Yeah. It's so great. All right. Well, hey, let's wrap this thing up. Everybody, thanks for tuning in, watching, or listening. Remember, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel, Freshman Parking Lot. Email the show, freshmanparkinglot at gmail.com. Subscribe and listen on all your favorite podcast apps. And hit us up for that Facebook group, Freshman Parking Lot. Either hit Brad or myself up. And uh, you can follow on Twitter. I think you can be like our 14th follower at Frosh Parking Lot on Twitter. So, And, hey, great apologies to those uh, listeners that tune in just for Justin. Um, yeah. Justin couldn't be with us tonight, but I feel like we're a man down and that we need the, the, uh, the third angle of the triangle, that we're not quite there yet without Justin tonight. So uh, great apologies for those of you that – Made it all the way through the show expecting Justin to show up, but he never showed up for us. I honestly thought he might. He He's working on some pretty heavy stuff tonight, as well as resting up for the Berkebiner this weekend, which wish him luck. I, I did my best sales pitch on him today on the phone after school, and um, the fact that he didn't show up means that I made the right decision getting out of sales and getting into teaching. 
<laughs> so, hey, no tele, no telemarketing for you. Nope, not anymore. Everybody have a good week. We'll see you on the flip side here.